there's really not that much you can actually do in terms of like what the recruiter is going to see in a list of emails. However, you find the recruiter on LinkedIn, you connect to him, send him a message, be like, I just saw this job, looks amazing, here's why I like it, X, Y, Z. If there's anything you want to ask me, then please let me know, because no one does that, and that's how you stand out. Hello and welcome to the Scrimba podcast. On this weekly show, I speak with successful devs about their advice on learning to code and getting your first junior dev job. I'm Alex and today I'm joined by Cameron Blackwood, an experienced developer and host of the Coder Career podcast. Cameron wasn't always a developer. Like most of us at 18, he wasn't sure what he wanted to do and decided to study business management. Along the way, he got into recruiting before eventually becoming a developer. A lot of this transition happened while he was working at a tech company as a recruiter, but also hanging out with and learning from developers at the company on his lunch breaks. We're a few years along now and Cameron is super passionate, just like us, about helping new developers maximize your chance of getting hired at a company where you can learn and grow into a high paid developer. In this episode, you will learn how Cameron thinks there are more junior developers than there are junior developer job roles, but also, crucially, what you can do to maximize your chance of success. Let's get into it. I'm a classic case of uh, someone who, you know, decent student in school, like got decent A-levels, but had no real idea of what I wanted to do. I just turned 17 when I was applying for uni, cycled through a ton of different stuff. I very nearly did Russian. So who knows how that could have turned out. I mean, to be fair, there's a geopolitical market for job speaking Russian now, but let's not get into that. I eventually settled on business because I was like, business is near enough the safest degree. Like it's quite vocational. I was sick of... Um, actually studying like I wasn't really the best student I was always the dumbest kid in set one I don't know I was like Norwich or Fulham every day was a relegation battle you know so I was like you know I, I get into like a Russell group but you know I, I wasn't like anything outstanding so I went to University of Birmingham and uh, did business there and that was actually where I got my first introduction to code so obviously studying business I was put into random halls uh, full of people doing other subjects and uh, you know I made friends who were all doing STEM uh, subjects actually funnily enough fact, every other lad in my flat was was doing a STEM subject and uh, one of them, uh, Mark, was doing computer science and artificial intelligence and uh, we got on really well and we, we lived together all the way through uni and uh, basically Mark was down a player on the computer science football team um, so uh, they were really desperate and they drafted in uh, me for, for the season so I got to know a lot of people in the computer science department. I thought this is a very interesting world and if I'd discovered it earlier perhaps I would have even sandwiched my degree and, and done a year in there but you know it, it was what it was and it was a little bit too late but I thought the idea was planted in my head I, I think I'd be keen on getting in the tech industry so I left university and I got into technical recruitment basically under the assumption this is going to make me a load of money spoiler alert it didn't uh, I thought I was uh, Jordan Belfort uh, but actually I was <laughs> more Alan Partridge or David Brent sometimes oh my goodness you're mentioning so many things <laughs> specific to the UK, I feel like, comparing the Wolf of Wall Street with uh, more like the Michael Scotts of the US office, I guess. And uh, it's funny you mentioned being at the bottom of set one, because in the UK, our school systems in high school, right, there's set one at the top, set two and set three, uh, where they kind of split the students into. I was a set three student, by the way, so I'm pretty proud of you, mate. That was that was good going being in set one. But yeah, you were saying... Basically ended up doing technical recruitment and uh, I had 
kind of a rough experience with it and I felt this industry is so broken. So I joined a startup that was trying to, um, and it still is, trying to take down the traditional agency model. Uh, they're called Talent.io. So any experienced engineers want a job, definitely recommend checking them out because they're basically a jobs platform. You sign up and they've sent jobs to you. While I was working there, I got really friendly with the engineers there and uh, they were one of those companies that really cared about like your self-development. That's what I really liked about them. And they gave me the freedom to like learn to code. So I used to use my lunch hours or, or even sometimes like time there if it was quiet to code and I got a lot of support from them which was really nice and um, you know I was incredibly privileged to have that network in that position because Talent.io helped me get my first proper foot in the door and uh, proper experience because I left them to concentrate more on coding and started picking up contract recruitment jobs and uh, you know I was kind of spinning my tires a little bit and uh, I, I was ready but I wasn't ready and uh, Talent.io ended up getting me a uh, really really great job at um, M2A Media uh, and that was my first foray into code and uh yeah i learned from some amazing people there big shout out to howard and pete if you're listening that's wicked man so they kind of like invested in you and trained you up in a sense of course you were still doing your day job but they were creating those opportunities for you to grow and they even supported you in transitioning roles being an alternative to the talent agency model that's amazing yeah they're great people and uh, you know the vision they have is really impressive and i definitely recommend people check them out if they're curious about getting a new job at some point it's quite interesting because in most countries at the age of like 17, 18, we're kind of posed with this question. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? Very few of us get it right the first time. And, you know, in the UK in particular, where we have fairly high tuition fees and stuff, you know, you're going down a pretty deep path, actually, from day one. But then you sort of stumble around, don't you? And you kind of figure out the ideas that keep coming back. Do you think there was like an element of luck there? Or do you think there's more of an element of sort of your mindset and kind of like creating those opportunities for yourself? So it's definitely luck that I ended up getting on the path that I was. Like a computer put me, Mark, John and Alex in the same flat. Another Alex. <laughs> we didn't live together. Um, and uh, they were all STEM guys. So that was how I picked up the knowledge of the industry basically from them. But then after that, I think that the secret to what I've managed to do and the, the new career I've managed to carve out for myself is I have become very good at networking. And working in sales and recruitment, like I would absolutely never claim to be an amazing salesman, but I do think I'm quite a good pitcher and networker. I'm quite good at, in, in basic terms, just remembering people and remembering what they do and, you know, trying to do people a favor before so that if you need their help for something, you can already help them out and they already think well of you. So I always try and like make sure I can help someone out because, you know, it's a kind of today you, tomorrow me philosophy. I'm quite keen on that. And I think that's a big lesson I learned. And the more people I could help out somehow, the more it would come back to help me. And that has served me very well. Obviously, there's a, a huge degree of, of luck involved, of course, but that's what I've always done throughout my career. And I would always say to people, like, never be afraid to reach out to someone. The worst they can say is no. And if you think you can help someone, then always do it because you never know how that person could help you in the future. And you, you should offer it if you can. I think a lot of new developers get in this mindset of to have the most opportunities, I have to be the best coder. And then, of course, we learn in school things like to get jobs. What you need to do is create a resume and then apply to a bunch of companies. But then this idea of networking is so powerful because you can essentially sidestep some of that. But equally, it's not a priority for a lot of new developers. And also there's a lot of questions. It kind of conjures this image of like people with business cards standing around a small table. How would you describe networking to a new developer? You know, I'm now picturing that business card scene in American Psycho would are like very nice now let's see Paul Allen's card no yeah um, as much as I wish it would be like that because that would be very funny I actually believe networking is 55% of getting your first job and technical skills are 45% I actually believe it is a smidgen uh, more important 
obviously networking is important to consider that it can be a combination of online and offline. Having an online presence and um, a good portfolio is networking in of itself. And, you know, participating in trends like hashtag 100 days of code is a great way to uh, to get yourself sort of noticed. You never know if a hiring manager might be on Twitter and they see that you're, uh, you're posting your progress or whether that's, you know, even potentially better somewhere like LinkedIn. If you're posting your progress and, you know, approaching it with the humble but hungry mentality uh, is how I'd like to describe it. What is the humble but hungry mentality? I think it's like always understanding that you can do better and you can improve on yourself and don't have an ego the size of planet, um, but also as well have that hunger and desire within you to do better and have the confidence to know that you can continue to improve upon yourself. So it's a real balance to hit and people can accidentally slip into believing their own hype a little bit or they can struggle with imposter syndrome and it's very difficult to hit that middle point, which I would call humble but hungry. Uh, I don't mean just like when you accidentally have a late lunch or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, do do intermittent fasting while balancing your ambition to be a developer. The ultimate strategy. Yeah, I think my intermittent fasting basically is while I'm sleeping, I don't eat. But then, yeah, other than that. (laughs) When you describe networking, you're not talking about only outreach. I'm sure there's an element of that, but you're also talking about sort of setting up an online presence so that people can Absolutely. find you. And that almost greases the wheels and makes the conversations easier. Put yourself in the shoes of a hiring manager, right? There is only one position in the tech world where there's a greater supply of candidates than there is demand. And that's for junior slash entry level positions. So what can you do to stand out? It's like, these people are going to be getting the same CVs. Their hiring manager is going to be getting very similar CVs and profiles day after day. But if they find someone that's been documenting their progress online and has a solid portfolio, or even just pings a message and says like, look, I love this bit of content that your company put out. Because companies are always doing stuff like dev relations or building their marketing, either through technical or non-technical content. I mean, this is content, right? So I'm not hiring developers, but if I was and someone messaged me and said, Cam, I thought you were amazing on the podcast, or um, I thought you raised some controversial points on the podcast or whatever, and then you start a conversation that way and then say, by the way, I'm looking for work, then that's a good way of doing it. But um, never be afraid to reach out to people because like, really, what's the worst they're going to say? The worst they can say is they can't help. And uh, I also think as well, the community is genuinely very helpful. And in fact, actually, um, I, I will not name names, but when I worked in recruitment, I had a bad experience at the start working for agencies. One manager turned to me and said, he explained what Stack Overflow was. And he said, yeah, it's quite weird because developers like to help each other. Said without a smidgen of like irony or anything, which was quite quite interesting. Developers do like to help each other. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. But he thought it was bizarre that humans would want to help each other. Some recruitment agencies are, are like that. They just have the people in there with the mentality of, you know, why would someone want to help each other? That's a really good point. And I think actually some forward thinking recruiters are kind of swaying their point of view a little bit. Like even if a candidate isn't right for them today, or maybe... Maybe they want to pass and, you know, share that candidate with another recruiter. Mm. You know, it should come back in a good way. And I think that's a philosophy yeah. we can all apply to our lives and our and our job search. Yeah. And the thing is with the Code of Career, the organization I run, like we recognize that there are lots of great recruiters out there and we give those people as much airtime slash publicity. And we, we try and promote their great content as much as possible because the world needs good recruiters. And if you work with the recruiters that, you know, I know are good people, then you're going to have a great experience whether they directly get you that job or not. Any of the recruiters that I've had in my podcast previously are exactly the kind of people that you would want to work with as a developer. If you are enjoying this episode of the Scrimba podcast, please do us at Scrimba a favor and share this episode with your friends on social media, like on Twitter, or maybe in your community, like on Discord, for example. 
If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you logged into Spotify or Apple Podcasts and gave this podcast a five-star review as well. Really, this kind of word of mouth is the best way to support the Scrimber podcast and show us that you like what we're doing and that we should do more. So a big thank you in advance. Back to the interview with Cameron. I want to go back to something you said a minute or two ago and tell me if I understood you right, but you said there are more junior developers than there are junior developer roles. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously unfortunate. A mid or senior engineer will make more of a commercial impact early on. So companies are less hesitant from an economic point of view. Uh, Companies more hesitant from an economic point of view to hire a junior because they're worried they'll leave after a year as soon as they start commercially adding more value. So I think that's why it happens. And also as well, particularly in an industry that is so high growth, generally speaking, like companies tend to be very high growth. They're much more nervous about taking um, gamble on juniors. So that's why the large companies tend to be the ones that give juniors uh, opportunities in my experience. And actually as a general tip, I, I would recommend juniors go towards larger companies. I'm actually an acceptor to the rule. I, I joined quite a small company, but I had an amazing, amazing team to learn from. So that was kind of a different situation. But yeah, I, I think if you look at the stats, um, the supply and demand, like for senior developers, so much demand with vacancies are being filled. I would argue that companies should give juniors more of a chance. Um, and I absolutely would not discourage anyone from getting into tech based on the junior job market. It's possible. So many people get their first jobs all the time in tech. I'm, uh, I just mean like it's harder to get a job as a junior developer than it is as an experienced one. And you have that to look forward to. You hit an inflection point 18 months into your career as a developer, suddenly, bam, your inbox is being hit 10 times a day by recruiters. And it's a very gratifying feeling. I hear that a lot, actually, for like arguably that first opportunity can be the hardest. If we take that statement about more juniors than jobs and say it another way, it could easily be said that from a recruiter's perspective, when they open their inbox, they have hundreds of applications for one role. What would your advice be to someone in light of this news as to like how to stand out in that situation? Yeah, so make your portfolio unique is absolutely the headline I would have. So first off, a really nice personal website. Just to pose the question even more specifically, you know, when you're in a list of emails in an inbox, essentially, you know, they oh, might not right. even seen your portfolio at that point. Like that's that's yeah. me as a new developer. Like that would freak me out, man. I'm kind of curious what you think. It's a good point. This is going to be a cop-out answer. Oftentimes with an ATS, an applicant tracking system, there's really not that much you can actually do in terms of like what the recruiter is going to see in a list of emails. Because all it will say is application for Cameron Blackwood for senior engineer, uh, or software engineer even, sorry, I'm not a senior. That's what the recruiter will see. There's really not too much you can do there. However, this is my cop-out answer. You find the recruiter on LinkedIn for the company. It's easy. You search up the company on LinkedIn, you click see all employees, and then you search within that talent acquisition manager or recruiter or something. And then you find that person, you connect them, send them a message, be like, I just saw this job. Looks amazing. Here's why I like it. X, Y, Z. If there's anything you want to ask me like um, before, if we have some kind of screening call, then please let me know because no one does that. And that, that's how you stand out. So why is that yeah. a cop-out answer? That's a brilliant answer. Like Because it doesn't affect how it looks on the email chain, but the only thing you can do is they'll recognize your application because there's nothing you can do about an ATS, like short of hacking into it and don't hack into a company's ATS. <laughs> what a job application that would be. Um, but no, I don't think it's a cop-out at all. I think it's like, you know, with, with developers, we look at 
problems and we solve them from different angles. And it ties in a bit to what you were saying earlier about networking, essentially. Uh, we kind of covered the inbound parts. Like if you have a good portfolio, if you're active on social media, uh, remember it's a social network. People are meant to be connected to each other. So if you're commenting on posts, liking other people's posts, all of this is a great way to help yourself be discovered. But maybe we can talk about the outbound approach a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, you touched on a great strategy, I think, which is to find the recruiter and sort of write a message to them. How else can new developers utilize outbound messages on platforms like LinkedIn to increase their chance of success? Yeah, so talk about something that um, maybe a technical point you like about the company and a non-technical point you like about the company. So um, something important to remember with recruiters is whilst they will have a background understanding of the technology and why it's a good selling point, they won't know the details usually under the hood about what's going on. And that's okay because it's not in their remit. So it's good to have a technical point. They can then show the hiring manager being like, oh, Alice like this about the company and uh, Bob like this about the company, you know, whereas, and then as well, well, for, uh, for the recruiter themselves, you can talk about something in the company culture, which the recruiter is probably going to be more involved with because they probably do a fair bit of employer branding as part of their job, particularly in a smaller company. So you can say like, I absolutely love that you do 10% time, which by the way, if the company does 10% time, we talk red flags, green flags in the code of career quite a lot. And that is a humongous green flag if the company gives you 10% time, because that is exactly what you want. Like, you know, in my day job right now, Holland and Barrett, I, I get 10% time and it's a brilliant chance to build on my skills and it's a real win-win because the company gets to almost upgrade me for free. Every time a recruiter passes on a candidate to the hiring manager, they are kind of like latching a bit of their reputation to that. So it's not it's not yes. quite the same as a referral, right, to the company. But in the case of a recruiter, they, they want the hiring manager to come back and say, ah, oh, that was a waste of my time kind of thing. And so if there's any doubt in the recruiter's head about your technical ability, which could be because you're new or because you struggle to demonstrate your ability on a piece of paper, I genuinely feel like adding that little bit of a personal element about, you know, why you're specifically interested in the role, showing you've done your research. If you're the kind of person who cares enough to demonstrate that, I think that's going to increase your chances, actually. A good few points to to get through to the hiring manager and take it from there. It's one of those things where the more information you give the recruiter, the better position they're in. And you're right, you do stake your uh, reputation online because ultimately hiring managers are super busy people. And the reason why you have recruiters is because it saves uh, the hiring manager all the time because recruitment absolutely is a full-time job and then some. An internal recruiter will be staking a reputation and an external because external, you know, the client could drop you. So they really are staking their reputation. Internal, you can get sacked. I mean, I'd hope that an internal recruiter doesn't get sacked for recommending one bad candidate. But, you know, it's... It's about your in, uh, your internal branding, which I absolutely hate that phrase. Internal branding is just like, it's how everyone else in the organization sees you, really. It's almost like your reputation. Like, for example, one bad way I affected my internal branding early in my career, back in the days when we actually had an office, was me showing up at 8.59 for the 9am start with toothpaste all over my face and a, uh, and a Greg's in my hand. Um, you know, it's it's a Greg's is a bakery. I'm, I'm not talking about me dragging in some bloke for our, for our internal national listeners. <laughs> Cameron, would you describe yourself as more of an introvert or more of an extrovert? Do you feel like you have to be a certain level of like outgoing to, to succeed in networking? I'm quite introverted, by the way, but that doesn't mean I don't like to get to know people. And actually, one thing that pushed me out of my shell a lot in the beginning was just understanding how impactful this stuff is. Like, I wouldn't let my career suffer because I was too shy to sort of go and fight for these opportunities. Obviously, I'm hosting a podcast now, like I've made a lot of progress. 
But I'm just curious about your experience and, you know, what advice you could share to people who are a bit apprehensive about this kind of stuff. I would say I'm an extrovert that's developed confidence issues as he's hit his mid-twenties and has become less arrogant. Probably an extrovert at heart, but now I have a little bit more of a sensible bit of self-restraint when blabbering on. And, you know, I think before I speak a bit more now, which is probably a good thing. I think it doesn't really matter whether you're an extrovert or introvert. This industry caters so well to people from neurodiverse backgrounds, right? Anyway, I mean, even then we're beyond the extrovert-introvert split. Like, it's a very understanding industry a lot of the time, I think. So I think it doesn't wholly matter. I know it's probably hard. I mean, I can't really put myself in an introvert's shoes, but I know it's probably very hard to do public speaking or, or something like that um, as an introvert. But, you know, you don't necessarily have to do that. You can just get yourself onto an event and have a slice of pizza and just listen to some events and get chatting with people. And again, obviously that's not easy for everyone, but, you know, people have name tags and you can say, oh, I see this company, you know, it's cool. Like a previous guest I had on my podcast, she, she got her first job in tech. She happened to be sitting next to a director of engineering at a company. You know, it, it, it could be as easy as that. Can you teach us, like, say you're at a meetup or something, what's your approach to, like, uh, meeting strangers? I'm going to be real with you. It's usually bringing up the pizza or beer and saying, like, isn't this quality, you know? Um, being like, oh, I'm cow. <laughs> you know, something silly or being like, oh, is it, do you know any of the speakers? Or, oh, do you work at this company that hosts it? Do you know much about this company that hosts this event? And, you know, you get chatting because maybe they work at that company, maybe they don't. And I think as well, people always appreciate other people that make the first move in the conversation in general in life. And sometimes uh, it's important to remember that people will always talk to people they already know because it's the easy option and everyone finds it hard to ice break. Like I joined a new rugby team when I moved back up to Edinburgh and you know at first it was hard because it's like wow everyone else knows each other and these lads have played together for years and I found it really hard to go over and start chatting to people and just break the ice of a group of people that already know each other and you know they also don't want to do the thing where they, they go out and chat to me first because I, I'm the new guy and they don't know me. Everyone finds it awkward to talk to someone else and actually the best thing to do is just you know no one's going to be rude to you like we're not in school anymore. Who's going to be rude if you go over and, and, and chat to them like it's weird and in the context of a tech event, they'll kick them out if they're rude. So it's fine. To summarize your advice, it's just to, you know, be curious and, and make them feel interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, people love talking about themselves, being asked about themselves. A lot of the time, particularly if you're chatting to somebody who's a bit more introverted, they'll be less keen to talk about themselves and they won't want to necessarily bring it up themselves, but they're happy to talk about it if you if you encourage people. And it brings other people into the conversation. And I think also a lot of the time, it's a really good thing to do to, if someone's quiet in a group, just be that person to go over and like include them in the conversation because they'll appreciate it so much more and you know whatever you're doing in life just always try and bring the quiet person into the conversation because they'll appreciate it especially if they're new and they don't know anyone like just say hey how's it going and introduce yourself like it's not that hard we're all human yeah because I, I feel like online nowadays it's so possible to be successful it's very easy to stay within your comfort zone actually and it, you know you can find success this way but if you're a new developer looking for a competitive role especially and you want to get there sooner than later you really have to stand out some way and although there are lots of individual tactics what it comes down to more than anything is just like you know latching more context to you as a person whether that's personality or a story or even a photo right what your face looks like I would say 90% of new developers don't do this and so even if you're not very good at it, right, if you're part of that 10%, you have a much better chance of succeeding, I think. Same thing mm -hmm. with portfolios and being active on social media and things. Uh, most developers aren't. So just by virtue of doing it, you have a really great chance of, of standing out. Absolutely. And just think outside the box as much as possible as well. Like I saw a post on Reddit about a bloke that was going to uh, buffets in Silicon Valley because he just knew that chances are there's going to be a load of like senior engineers there. And he, he ended up getting, he posted on Reddit that he got like 70 business cards from people that were senior at, uh, at some of the 
the biggest tech companies in the Valley. And I just, I love that. That's genius because you get lunch as well. He said that it cost him like $10 to get into the buffet. Um, and he got like loads of internship offers off the back of it. There's like a book I'm looking it up. It's like never eat alone or something. It's like, yeah, maybe there's a link here. Uh, just this idea <laughs> that if you're visiting a new city, always try and schedule lunch with somebody. And that's a great trick to network. It's not as uh, sick as that, by the way. That's a great technique. I'd love to see yeah. someone try that. <laughs> I really think this has been a great episode all about networking because I also know that most developers don't do this. And I also recognize it can be a scary thing. I'm just wondering if you have any sort of closing advice for uh, new developers or people breaking into tech as it relates to networking or just finding success in general. I would say like don't neglect stuff away from the screen. Your branding is so important and you can be the best developer. Like I've seen some absolutely incredible developers take forever to get their first job because they just neglect that side of things. And it's just like, don't forget to do that. But then also as well, conversely, don't get sucked into constantly networking, not actually working on your craft. Like make sure you're putting in the hours little and often. Some people advise binge it a couple of times a week and do eight hours. Some people learn that way. That's fine. Personally for me, um, I think it's better to learn for two hours a day consistently over the course for a few months so that's the advice i would give people and just remember to keep that balance in your head and uh, you know obviously check out my careers network as well because we're aiming to basically be there's so many amazing technical resources online but there's not actually many non-technical for techie uh resources and that's what uh, i'm trying to do with the coded career so do check out that as well sorry for the shameless self-plug <laughs> not at all man we're gonna link it high and proud in the show notes i was actually listening to your episode with uh simon barker on a walk last night oh great uh, absolutely loved it fantastic stuff uh, as i say people can find that link in the show notes cameron blackwood thank you so much for joining me on the scrimber podcast it's been an absolute pleasure alex uh, really enjoy chatting and uh, yeah absolutely love what scrimber's doing as well it's super cool and really interesting and i'm excited to see where the journey goes that was cameron an experienced developer who after grinding his way to become a junior developer is now helping others we love to see it Thank you, though, for listening. If you've made it this far, you might want to subscribe to the Scrimba podcast in your podcast app of choice for more helpful and uplifting episodes with recently hired juniors and industry experts like Cameron. You can also tweet me, your host, Alex Booker, and share what lessons you learned from the episode so I can thank you personally for tuning in. My Twitter handle is in the show notes. See you next week.